Good morning, good morning. Right. Guess what we're talking on today? Yeah, Jesus, God. All right. Taming the tongue. So, be prepared to be convicted, people. Not condemned, convicted. Not condemned. Mike, you're going to do our reading, aren't you? Thank you, Mike. Let me pray for you. Father, a strong voice. May the words that Mike reads to us from your word, Father, may they change the hearts and minds of the hearers, Father. Father, speak to people into our very souls, Lord, with what Mike will bring us this morning. Amen. Uh, The reading is from James 1, verses 9 to 26. It's about listening and doing. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent. And humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Thank you, Mike. Well, all book. Now, if you're one of the people that were baptised the other day and you're after a Bible book that is quick to read, is easy to read, and keeps it as simple as it gets, you will not find a book probably better than James for that very purpose. It is almost, well actually not almost, it was made, if you read the front of James, right at the beginning, it says it goes out to the 12 tribes that were spread out across the world, really. Now this this epistle, this letter, wasn't written like Paul's letters. If you ever read one of Paul's letters, he has this massive long greeting. Greetings, lovely people at such and such a church. It is I, Paul, I love you, well done, fantastic, blah, 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 and then he gets on with it. James, it, it was a leaflet, essentially, a flyer given out across the world, across the ancient world, as a sort of Here is the basics. Remember, we were dealing with um, Matthew's Gospel hadn't been written, Mark's Gospel hadn't been written, John's Gospel hadn't been written. These books hadn't been written yet. So they didn't have the written friend to friend and brother to brother and sister to sister, but they didn't have the written accounts ready there. So James, being the stepbrother, half-brother of Christ, who we believe is the one that is writing this, wrote this short pamphlet on the basics of Christianity. 
where the rubber hits the road. He deals with, okay, so now you're a Christian. What do you now do? How should you behave? What should you be doing? That is essentially what James's letter is all about. It's where the rubber hits the road for the newbies. Now, and I was an excitable child because when I got a toy, I didn't sit and marvel at the box. I wanted to get past the box. I wanted to get into the toy. And it would just be open season. Stuff, yes! Open the box, rip the box apart. Play with the toy. And then that toy would then be played with until it fell to pieces. Now, the other day, I went into Goring, and I went to this amazing shop, and fat, hairy men in their 40s who are trying to recapture their youth and pay extortionate prices to do so. And they have this Masters of the Universe He-Man figure, one that I had in the 80s, in its box with the comic. It's a reissue, so it's not an original, but it's... I want that because I want to recapture my youth. I want to experience what I felt as a child. And then I thought, well, I'm not a child anymore. I'm, I'm not sure I want to open this because, because it's not going to be worth anything. If we maybe sell this later on, I'm never going to sell it. I'm not going to sell my Lego. It's, it's, um, it's, it's unboxed. I'm not going to sell it. These are my things. So I'm going to keep it like this in the box, in mint condition. Talking about my dear brothers and sisters. So that's me and you. Everyone should be quick to listen. Uh-oh, we're into a wrong one already, aren't we? Quick to listen. Quick to listen to what? Your friends? Your neighbours? Your God's word? Irony. Slow to become angry. doesn't say don't get angry though, does it? It says slow. Be slow to anger. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Ah. God's anger is righteous. He's got all the evidence. He's seen all the evidence. He's heard all the evidence. If God is angry with you, it's because you deserve it. That's the truth of it. If God is angry with you, it's because you deserve it. You can't argue with him because he knows exactly what you've said as well. So you saying, well, I, I said that because, uh, because they hurt me and that really upset me. If that's not true, he knows it. He knows your heart. God looks at the hearts of man, does he not? Not have a righteous anger. Next verse. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth Uh-oh. and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. It is easier said than done. Point in proof. Anyone who listens but does not do what the word says 
What does that tell you about them? Hypocrites. Did Jesus say something about hypocrites? said, don't be like the hypocrites who stand there and do all this religious stuff and then go off and do what they want. Don't do that. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. How many times something and we feel convicted about it, right? And we go, oh. Do you know what I did the other day? I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. I'm going to go and do it again. And off we go, doing it again. Because, yeah? Why? It's a book. It's a bit bit of paper. That's a bit of paper, isn't it? It's paper. I mean, that was probably made in China. Probably made for about three quid, if that. It's a bit of paper, right? Why are you getting upset? about throwing that on the floor, but God's word, that is This is a book. This is a piece of paper. God's word is in your heart, is it not? But you, you turn away from that, right? You break those commandments in your heart, but then you gasp because I do this. Does God want you to slavishly look after a Bible? Does God want you to protect it and love it and nurture it? This is my lovely thing. Hear the word. Do the word. Now, if we look at the word, and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Worthless, worth nothing. And then after that, God gives us a little insight into what religion and being religious actually looks like in the real and practical world. As pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, we have a teaching about works don't get you to heaven, right? You can, you can be a good person. It doesn't mean you're going to heaven. You found that faith. You came to Jesus. You accepted his offer of forgiveness and you repented, and you got all excited, and you were in this honeymoon period of being a Christian, when the world is just your oyster, and you are forgiven so much, and you feel so unburdened, and you rip open the box of your faith, and you get to grips with it, and you start playing with your faith, and you start... This is what James wants you to do. He's saying, open the box of your faith, Take it out the box and play with it. Use it. Do good things with your faith because that's the mark of faith in James's book. If you don't, for all the world to see and you say, come, look at my wonderful He-Man figure. It's perfect. It's preserved. Oh, it is wonderful. Look at it. 
Aren't I great? What's better, to have a beaten up old He-Man with dirt on it, one that's been through the wars, one that's served with you, that you don't use, that you keep in a box, but you happily tell everyone about it. Now, the longer you become a Christian, you know what? The harder it gets. It doesn't get easier the longer you're a Christian. It gets harder. This is what you need to do now. Because believe me, in 20 years' time, it's going to be almost impossible for you to do this. Because you get used to things. You get used to doing things. The good deeds that you once did, you stop doing. Remember that bit? You knew me then, but you've forgotten. You don't know your first love anymore. Well, this is what James is saying. If you want to keep that first love, you've got to use your faith. And one of the biggest things that will destroy is that. Right there. Now, I have an incredibly long tongue. It's very hard to control. See, look. That's difficult, everything I say I have to measure every single word that comes out of my mouth has to be measured it has to be weighed I want the result to be we go back to Genesis how does God create what does he do what action does God do he speaks he speaks everything into you want to be like God let your tongue wander see what it creates because your words have the power to create just like God's Apart from there's a very slight difference. What God created was good. If we don't control our tongues, we will create things. Now, I'm not going to say, I'm going to create uh, a box of chocolate. Box of chocolates! Oh, it doesn't help. It's not there. Probably a good thing. You're a fool. You're an idiot. You're a liar. You're a thief. You, you're a blasphemer. None of those things are true. About people in this room is now in your brain. There's a little neuron connection in your brain and you may think, thief, ah, that person. Liar, ah, that person. You see, what you say about someone to another person, now whether they believe it or not, there's no smoke without fire. Go through this book, right? If you've got the time, and you find out what God's burden is, 
by looking at the amount of times he mentions about keeping the lid on your mouth. If you want to get angry about homosexuality, three verses, maybe four. You look at the tongue. <laughs> wow, that's what he gets angry about. With your mouth. And I'm not just saying you, I do it as well. Everything I say should be measured. And I try really hard to do that. Sometimes I don't. The door shuts when I get home. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Someone in the news daily mail in front of me and I'll be livid for an hour. You see, whatever you see and you speak out, you see someone being wrong, right, doing something wrong, you call them out, right? That's the big, big biblical thing to do. You shouldn't just go over immediately and do it. Someone's doing something wrong, the first thing you do is you pray. Because you're consulting the person that knows the situation. Say something, check it. Is that true of your word, Lord? Look up examples where Jesus tackled some difficult issues. How did he do it? It's very trite and very easy for us to say, what would Jesus do? Being some outdated, cheesy, Christianese rubbish. Because it's not. What would Jesus do is probably one of the best questions you could ever ask yourself. What would Jesus do? What did Jesus say about how we do it? In love, do you know what? I don't think that was quite right. Maybe we should talk. Maybe have a conversation. And then when you leave it and you say, hey, I'm there for you, whatever. If you want to chat, I'm here. They still, And if they still don't listen after you've corrected them in love and respect and in prayer, well, that's when Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be there. That's the true meaning of that as well. Well, what, so Jesus isn't there when you're alone? Anyone ever question that? Oh, so there has to be another person here for Jesus. Quick, come over here, I don't see Jesus. No, it's a, you need a witness to go with you to correct. Taming the tongue is about and how you say stuff. Because you don't know what you're going to create. And for those Christians who are very set in their ways and claim to have a very mature faith, well, sometimes, I'm going to use the He-Man argument. Your faith is unboxed. Uh, your faith is boxed. You're not using it. Because your tongue says otherwise. James knew the dangers of lies. He knew the dangers of running your mouth. Because he knew that people who have faith can say 
stupid things. And believe me, no one will hurt you in this world more than a brother and sister. How do you put that faith in action? Well, there's this thing called grace. You might have heard of it. Now, James wants us to obey the law. Jesus wants us to obey the laws, right? Now, the way we obey those laws speaks volumes about us. If we believe in Christ and we believe what he did for us, the law has been fulfilled, right? Jesus fulfilled the law. He didn't abolish it. He didn't go, believe in me, do what the hell you want. There's a guy called St. Augustine, who was, I think he was 3rd century, sort of like the father of modern theology, really. And he said, love God, do what you want. Because if you love God, you'll want to do things that make him happy. Not the stuff that will make you particularly happy. But if you love God, you'll want to please him. And that means taking your faith out of the box, keeping your mouth shut when you don't need to say anything, has direct action. And if you say stuff that you think is right, who knows what damage you could do? Are you a theologian? Have you studied the book the way you probably should have? Well, you know what? I've got news for you in the book of James as well. Chapter 2, know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So you want to point out people's flaws and remind them of biblical stuff? Go ahead! And the God will judge you rightly as a teacher than anyone else. So if you want to go around correcting people because they don't necessarily agree with you or you think something different to them, well, you go ahead because not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal... Or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder. Your words can sway away from church and away from their friends, their brothers, their sisters. This is your most lethal weapon. You need to know when to take it out of the holster when to point it at someone and when to pull the trigger. I'm not joking about this. Churches split because someone ran their mouth when they shouldn't. It's as easy as that. You can have an amazing pastor, you can have an amazing pastoral team, you can have someone runs their mouth and says something they shouldn't and it starts creating merry hell. And before you know it, that little bit of gossip, that little thing you just thought, well, I'm going to just say that, splits a church, divides a community. It also just like us. There's no difference. 
your ministry matters. Each one of you that calls themselves a Christian, each saved person here has a ministry. You are accountable and it's very clearly said, don't run your mouth. Shut it. You've got nothing good to say. Shut it. I'm going to read something else. There's Charlotte read from it this morning. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body over to hardships, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not, does not dishonour others. It is not self seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. It rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always fails. So the next time you feel like running your mouth off, think, is this loving. It doesn't boast. If you're not proud, pride brings down even the strongest. Is it self-seeking? What am I going to get out of this? If I say this, am I going to get some honour out of this? Am I going to make myself feel better by putting this person down or maybe saying something that will put them down? Love builds. We want to build a church. We're building church right now. God is building this church right now. And the quickest and easiest way we can tear it down is there. Now, thankfully, we are not, even though James... And he's right. And for man, I say woman as well. I mean, just saying. We can't do it. Right? No man, no woman can keep control of their tongue. But it's called Jesus. It's called the Holy Spirit. If we rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us, to teach us, if we trust in Jesus and we think about how much we've been forgiven, how much burden that God has taken off of our shoulders, not? we should really be thinking, how can I love this person more? And sometimes the best way of loving them is just to keep your mouth shut. Think about what you're going to say. This is quite a blunt sermon, right? I'm not dressing this. It's a danger and a very, very real one. Now probably some of you are sitting there thinking, well, that's fine, that's not me. 
Hands up, who's thinking that? Chickens. Well done, Robin, brave man. Well, that's it. You're, you, what you're effectively doing, if you lie about something, you're creating it. So if I wanted to say that something horrible about law, if I say often enough, and enough people believe it, it's true. I mean, I've got nothing. You keep saying stuff, you keep creating. And sooner or later, enough people believe it. And that person is then, don't go near them, they're horrible person the tongue it's a very dangerous weapon we praise God with this mouth we lift praise up to him we lift prayers up to him Lord hear our prayer maybe a fragrant offering well do you know what if you're going around bitching about people behind their back if you're creating stuff if you're not thinking about what you're saying and you're not really thinking about how someone else is going to hear this and it may upset them well you know what God thinks of your offering do you know what one of the biggest killers of churches is other than the tongue it's us not realising that we are the Pharisees we mock the Pharisees don't we in the, in the word we look at them and go ha we're not like them so are. We use our religion as faith. And I know what's right, and I'm better than you. That's what the Pharisees did, right? Did you believe anything that came out of their lips? No, because they're hypocrites. So if we want to be a good witness to people, if we want people to know who we are, who we stand for, and what we have in our... What witness is that? Well, they're just like us. You know what? We shouldn't be. We shouldn't be like them. We should be better. We should know better. And if we trust in Jesus, if we give it to him, then we can be better than we are. We can do something about it. The situation isn't a tongue. We just need to pray and to think and do everything in love. If you do everything in love, you're onto a winner. I was just reminded of a piece of scripture that I've spoken on before, but it's very apt. It's from Proverbs. Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word fitly spoken. Like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold is the rebuke of a wise judge to a listening ear. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore.